0: Thank you for joining us today. Recently I gave a message at Community Bible Chapel that I've been thinking about for some time. And the overall aspect of it is light versus darkness, or really the, the power of God versus the, the forces of evil. And that's how I get light versus darkness. And as I think about the, the theme of the Bible and, and how important it is to understand God's judgment and God's grace, and what's opposed to God's judgment and His grace, are the forces of evil. And so I'd like for you to join us in this message at this time. Good morning. We just enjoyed a a wonderful trip to Kentucky and um, there was, I think, about 120 of us, give or take five or 10. It wasn't always the same number every day that got to see the, the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. It was really wonderful, and, uh, and of all things, it kind of fit in with some things that that I've been thinking about, and um, I'm hoping to share those things with you today. Um, so let me let me kind of give you what I, what I'd like to do. Matter of fact, um, I probably won't finish it this week, but you're used to that. Very seldom do I finish a message. Matter of fact, I remember one time I was really happy, and I think I was singing or something. And and Sharon said, what in the world are you so happy about? I said, I just thought of a good beginning for a message. She says, you don't need beginnings, you need endings. <laughs> and so, uh, well, um, over the last, I'd say, uh, two or three months, I've been studying the, the idea of um, light versus darkness. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about night versus day, but light versus darkness. There's a huge difference. And I think by the time we're done, I'm hoping that you'll see what that is. And what I would like to do is to read to you a scripture and show you that there's some very unique times. And I think one of those unique times when this occurred was actually before creation. And that's why my trip to the Christian Institute was so timely i want to take you before creation, before the creation of man. And I want to show you what, what the Bible says. And, and I don't want you to take, I, I hope every time I say something, you say, where does that say that in the Bible? Because it really doesn't matter what I think or what I say, but it really matters what, what the Word of God says, doesn't it? And then I want to take you to a, a special time. And that's the crucifixion of Christ. And the Bible makes an unbelievable statement about light and darkness. And God's not done. There's another time. There's another time in the future. And the Bible pinpoints it. We know the day it's going to be. It's It's at the Battle of Armageddon. As Christ comes back for the Battle of Armageddon, you should see what the Bible says about light versus darkness. And then there's another time, future, and it's in Revelation. And I know we won't get that far this week. And who knows whether it be two weeks or three weeks? Uh, but but let's let's enjoy those things. And so I'd like for you to uh, to just think for a little bit about the idea of uh, of light and darkness. And you know, uh, if you ever if you get up early in the morning, some of you do. Some of you think the day begins at noon. And um, but but there's a darkness that comes and. And I don't care who you are, when, when I'm in my office and I look out here and I see the, the sun starting to come up, wow, it's, it's wonderful. And so what I'd like to do is to uh, think about this phrase, there was darkness over all the earth. And so let's go to, to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 and then we're going to read just one single verse in, in Luke's gospel to get the setting of this. Mark's our Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. And here's what it says. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabathani, that is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of them that stood there when they heard it said, this man calls for Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. And The rest said, let it be. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the spirit. We're going to stop our reading there, although later we'll come back and we'll look at some things that occurred after this marvelous scene. And then just one verse in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. These are the crucifixion accounts. And, um, but I like what it says. Luke 23, verse 44, And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in the midst. Now let's start with, with some things that, that you know. You know that, that in the Jewish economy there was a temple. And when Jesus was on the earth, that temple was in full swing, full practice. But there was a veil. And this veil separated man from God. And, and remember that in the temple there was an outer court, and, and Gentiles, like myself, could come to the outer court. And then there was a place where only Jews could come in. And then there was a place where only those that were priests could come. And then there was a place called the Holy of Holies. It was the dwelling place of God. And the high priest could only come in one time a year. There's lots of stories about it, and some of them probably are true, and some may not be true, but, but sometimes they uh, one story is this, that the priest, the high priest, because they were so crafty and so deceitful and so ungodly that they would actually tie a rope around the scoundrel's ankle. And the priest was dressed in a special garment. And and that garment around the hem of it would have little bells pomegranates and bells, pomegranates and bells. The Bible describes his dress. And he would go in. And maybe he would be in there for 10 or 15 minutes because only once a year he was allowed to go in. And he would put a special sacrifice on the mercy seat. And then it said that God would commune with man on the mercy seat. What he would put there is a lamb. And you can probably jump to the end of the story because you know who the lamb really is, don't you? But something happened very unique on this day. On the crucifixion day, that veil was rent from the top to the bottom. And they would shudder because now this place was so holy that if that priest went in and he was unholy, they had a rope on his leg because no one could go in to retrieve him if he died in the presence of God. And there were some priests that were that unholy Matter of fact, many of them were in cahoots with the Romans. And so rather than risk someone's life to go in and rescue this guy, when they didn't hear the sound of the bells or the pomegranates, they thought, maybe he's dead. But they had him on a rope, and they pulled the rascal out. (laughs) Yeah. And so to, to rip that curtain would be an incredible situation. But the timing of it is what is so important. It it occurred when darkness came. Now, let's talk about the the rest of that verse. Because, you see, there's something about this that is very unique. The the Bible says that this whole process started. and, um, And it started at the sixth hour. So, listen to this. Because, you see, 6 a.m. is when the Jewish people start their day. So if it starts at 6 a.m. and then it talks about the sixth hour, what time of the day would it be? Noon. And then it said that that there was darkness on the face of the earth, all the earth. Not just Jerusalem, all the earth, for three hours. That would make it 3 p.m. The brightest part of the day, from noon to 3 p.m., God brings a most unique darkness. And that's what I want to study. Because I think there's, I think there's a, a real pattern to it. And by the time I'm done, I want to go back to the book of Genesis and I want to look at that darkness there. And I want us to compare what God did in the darkness at creation and what Jesus did in darkness on the cross. Because you see, Jesus died on the cross not for his sins. He had none. Hmm. But he died for my sins. He died for your sins. And every penalty that God was going to put on Adam and Eve, he was going to bring about to to Jesus on that cross. And so the idea of of light versus darkness. The, The Bible has a lot to say about Light and darkness. And, and so what I want to do before we ever begin, I want to go to a side story. This is the good thing about having two weeks because, you know what? One of the most favorite things I do when I'm studying the Bible are rabbit trails. Do, do any of you go on a rabbit trail when you're studying? Yeah, and uh, Jingo and Cynthia keep track of my notes. And I'm going to go look in this file and see if you can find something. And sometimes they find my rabbit trails here. But I want you to, to go to, to John's gospel now. Because it has a a remarkable story. And I'm going to tell most of it to you rather than read all of it. But I I want to read at least the first seven verses. John's Gospel. Verse 1. And Jesus passed by. He saw a man who was born blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents said he was born blind. You see, they assumed one or the other, didn't they? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Don't you like that phrase? I'm going to stop here just for a minute. You see, in the book of John, seven times, no less than seven times, Jesus is going to say this, I am. And every time you can guess the end of the story. Are you ready to try a few? You've got you to be thinking. You can't be dormant today. So he says to a, a crowd of people that are hungry, he says, I'm the bread of life. Do you think there's going to be any problem feeding them? Remember what he did? He took a small lunch. He fed 25,000 people. He said this, I'm the light of the world. And he's standing in front of a blind man. What do you think is going to happen to that blind man's eyes? Don't worry about going to the optometrist. Jesus will take care of the situation. And he stands in front of a grave, a grave of his friend. His name was Lazarus. And Lazarus died four days ago. And the Jews believe that after three days, your spirit leaves in The fourth day, the body begins to, to corrupt and to smell. And Jesus said this, I am the resurrection. And life. Do you think Lazarus is going to remain dead? And so when you see what Jesus says, I am, he said, I am the door, I am the way, I am the life. Every time, you know the end of the story. And so now the disciples say, who who did terrible things so that this man was born blind? Him? How could he do that in the womb? Or his parents? And he said, no, this this man is blind for the glory of God. Verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had spoken this, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay, and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, washed and came seen. Don't you like the fact that, that just how he created Adam, he would take the spit, he would mix it with that clay, and he would, he would give him sight. I, I like this story because, you see, um, What we read about in Matthew 27 was a universal darkness. It was a darkness by divine order. It it wasn't just night. It was darkness. There's a difference. Because of my sleeping habits, I often get up in the night. And usually I'm pretty good. I, I know my way because I have a little routine, and so I'm pretty good from time to time. Someone pulls a chair out in the auditorium, and I fall. Yeah, it's great fun, I'm sure, for them. And uh, it's miserable for me because I should have turned on a light. But being conservative, I think I'll save all the electricity I can. So this was a universal darkness by divine order. And when you come to John chapter 9, here's a man, and he's born blind. Now, let me me show you how important this is, because for a, a moment... And you notice I have the screen completely dark. For a moment, I I want you to imagine that you're blind. Matter of fact, I I even read a little story about this and said that try to get uh, an audience to go for 10 minutes with their eyes closed. I don't trust some of you. 10 minutes with your eyes closed, you'll be asleep. (laughs) Yeah. They're thinking about selling my message as a sleeping medicine. And uh, don't even need a prescription. So I, I am going to do a little experiment with you. I'm going to make you close your eyes here in a minute. But here's what I want you to imagine. Let's just say that, that you are going to try to describe to somebody a forest. And that person was born blind. And so now, how do you describe trees to a person who's never seen a tree? Would you begin by saying, well, the tree... uh? has leaves and they'd say what's a leaf you say well it has branches they say what's a branch well it has roots they what where are the roots and they say they're in the ground come on man and oh so it's it's pointed upward can you imagine trying to describe a forest to this person or how about you stand in front of a picture and now you got to say well you see the mountains are kind of blue and green and they're going to say, what's blue and what's green? I said, well, that's okay because the sun is coming up and there's red across. The and they say, what do you mean, red? Do you understand what it would be to be born blind? That you'd never seen. This man was born blind. The light of day had, had never been sensed by his eye. It had never registered in his brain. And let me tell you this, that spiritually speaking, every one of us are born blind. You see, I sometimes, when I talk to people who don't know the Lord, and we begin to talk about Jesus and talk about heaven, talk about God, you want to know why they don't appreciate it? Because they're born spiritually blind. And so there's no way. Try to describe a cheetah to someone who's born blind. You can't do it. Say, it's got a long tail, it's got spots. It runs fast. It's hopeless. And you see, spiritually speaking, because we're spiritually blind, it's going to take divine light for this man to see and divine light for people to spiritually see. That's why a person says they got to be born of God. You were born physically to a mother and a father, but we're talking about divine light and spiritual sight. And then notice in this chapter some some progression of those things because the the story itself is is wonderful but but I want you to notice this in verse eleven the Jewish people are mad and they they say okay uh, they said okay who who opened your eyes and first they say well it's a man verse eleven said it's a man and then verse seventeen when they ask him again he said well he's a prophet and by the time you get to verse thirty eight says he's the Lord and then I like in verse 12, it says, okay, where, where is he? I mean, this guy that, that opened your eyes, where is he? And next, in verse 26, it said, what did he do? He said, look, man, I, I can see. I've never, I've never been able to drive before. I'm driving now. I, I've never been able to go to school before. I'm, I'm schooling now. Okay, verse 36, it says, who is he? Where is he? What did he do? Where is he? You see, all these things, because this man, for the first time, was experienced sight. And let me tell you, I can understand the frustration of someone spiritually blind because I can only imagine how frustrated this man must have been to be physically blind. To be spiritually blind is far worse. Just for a moment, those of you that are, that are willing to do this, I, I want you to close your eyes. Don't so cheap. Close your eyes. And, and we're just going to go for about a, a minute or so. And in that darkness, your mind does some unusual things, doesn't it? Now, you've been blind for 10 seconds. And it seems like a lot longer, doesn't it? Can you imagine this man, not for a year, probably 20 years 30 years, never having seen a sunrise, never having seen a sunset, never having seen the mother that bore him. Can you imagine how when everyone else is looking around and there's no sound, you're thinking I wonder what everyone else is doing. I wonder if they're still here. Now you've been blind for just one minute And I think one of the curses of hell is this. People will be blind again. You'll hear the screams of people. You'll hear the, the laughter of Satan. But you will never see another individual. Can you imagine how lonesome that would be? Thank you for participating. So you were blind for two minutes. Can, can you imagine? You can open your eyes. Can, can you imagine living a lifetime like that? And so you can see why this would be such a, a big deal to this man and his family, because he'd only known darkness. And so when we come to the story that we're going to be looking at, I, I want us to, to understand that I think for those of us who have sight, Maybe we don't appreciate all the things that come. I'm cutting the presentation right here because I want to talk to you a little bit about something I think is important. You see, there are several pivotal times when God's uh, word calls attention to this extreme darkness. I think one of those times, as I mentioned in the presentation, is at the crucifixion. Matthew chapter 27. Can you imagine at noon, at the brightest time of the day, that God brings about this incredible darkness? It was God calling attention to the fact that He was going to judge sin. And you see, that darkness was not known any time other than pre-creation, but there's a future time, and we're going to talk about that in some of our future messages. But for right now, I want to talk about this. God's judgment. God's judgment will be on sin. Do you understand that, that every single person that's ever lived will be judged for their sin? But here's the beautiful thing about it, because what Jesus did on the cross, he was judged for any person who's in Christ. Any person who said, I will take Christ as my personal savior, and you personally receive him, God's judgment for your sin fell on Jesus Christ. Wow, the grace of God is wonderful. And so every time in our presentation, I always ask you this question, are you ready? You see, Christ may come today, but the judgment of God is gonna come on this earth just as He warned the people in Noah's day, and then judgment came, just as God said. Well, God has warned us that judgment is coming in the future as well. And the only way for you to be safe or saved is to come to Christ. Number one, have you ever acknowledged to God that you are a sinner? That He does deserve to judge you, and the wages of sin is death. Number two, have you ever admitted that that Jesus Christ, God's perfect spotless Son, His righteous Son, died on the cross to save you and to save me from our sins. And number three, have you ever personally said, Lord Jesus, I take you as my Savior? Are you ready? You can be by receiving Jesus. Light versus darkness, the overall theme of the Bible, I think it's really captured in this little simple saying, the power of God versus the forces of evil. I hope today you'll make a decision That will allow you to receive Christ as your Savior and to avoid the judgment of God because you see God already put His judgment on Jesus. There's no sense for you to go through the punishment of hell for your sins because Jesus has already gone through that punishment for you. Please receive Him today. Father, we come to You. We thank You for this theme that we see in God's Word. Father, help us as we study to understand the overall plan of God. We thank You for Jesus Christ, for salvation in Him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.